Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of the tithe, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining the importance of understanding what wealth is and where it comes from. Wealth comes from productivity. That's where it comes from. It comes from labor and land. That's effectively where wealth is derived from. When you work and you produce something, you produce something of value. And that is, by definition, a form of wealth, something that has value. And so I was explaining the importance of understanding that land and labor are necessary in order for civilization to exist. And, of course, this coincides with what God told Adam in Genesis chapter 3, that he is going to have to go out and he is going to have to deploy or employ his labor. He is going to have to use his labor and use it to work the land. And if he did not do that, then he was going to go hungry. That's how serious our God was about working the land. I explained this in the previous program, and then I explained that it is necessary to understand the concept of generational wealth. Generational wealth in this context, in the context of land, means that throughout the course of generations, from one generation to another, a particular family was able to save more than what they spent. If you earn or you produce and you are able to save more than you spend or you are able to produce more than what you consume, then the difference is considered to be savings. And over the course of time, this tends to build. If you are productive and you don't consume as much as you produce, then this will build and people often store it. They store their wealth or their value in land and in other things. And the value of the land will tend to increase to the point where if you do not have a substantial amount of savings, then you are not going to be able to compete with those who do have a substantial amount of savings when it comes to buying land. You won't be able to compete with them. They will be able to buy it for more than what you can provide to buy that land. So this competition creates a circumstance where there are people who have and there are people who have not. There are people who have property and people who do not have property. And I, of course, explained the importance of having property in the previous program, and so I'm not going to get into that now. What I would like to focus on is the idea of an inheritance, that people were able to continue to live in freedom because they received an inheritance from their parents that gave them the resources, the capitalization that they need in order to be free, independent people. Otherwise, in many cases, you're going to have to sell yourself as a slave. And depending upon how many slaves are available, 
your value is going to be increased or decreased depending upon the supply and demand factors relative to slaves. That is the importance of land and the inheritance of the land. And then I explained that our God gave the land of Israel to the children of Israel. He gave them the land. He described it as an inheritance that he was giving to them. So when you put all of this together, I think you can have a better understanding of the significance of the land that the Israelite people were entering into when they left Egypt, especially in the context of slavery, that they left slavery to be a free people. And in order to be a free people, you have to have a place to be, you have to have a place to work, you have to have a place to store your wealth, you have to have property of some kind in order to produce wealth, because all wealth is derived from the land. All the trees that grow, grow on land. All the food that is grown is produced from the land. All of the metals that people make use of come from the land. Everything comes from the land. It's very important to understand this. Now, the Levites were an exception concerning this inheritance, concerning the distribution of the land. The Levites were an exception in the sense that they did not have an allotted amount of land as an inheritance from God. The way that he described it in the scriptures was to say that he was going to be their inheritance. He was not going to provide them with land as an inheritance, and that tells me that there would be some very significant restrictions on the Levites. First of all, the Levites would have no ability to derive wealth on their own. They would have to depend on somebody else if they were going to have any wealth at all. And who are these other people that they are going to benefit from? Well, they are the other Israelites. And so this created a dependent relationship between the two. The Israelites needed the Levites in order to resolve conflicts and in order to enforce the year of Jubilee so that if the Israelites experienced failure in their land, either they had a bad crop, they were not able to grow enough produce, enough food in order to survive, they were not successful in whatever enterprise they were engaged in, when people fail, they normally have to leave their home, and they have to find someone else who is willing to provide them with work. They have to go and sell themselves as a servant or as a slave. And at the year of Jubilee, the Levites would enforce the extinguishing of all debts and people would return to their land. That is the law of Jubilee. This would happen every 50 years. And in general, this was a good thing because there is a cycle that most civilizations have experienced that about every 60 years, there is the need for this kind of a reset in a society. Otherwise, there will be a serious degradation in that society. But I'm not going to get into that in this program. But when you're dealing with generational wealth, this cannot occur. This does not occur in the context of generational wealth because, again, through several generations, the value of the property tends to increase because of the savings of a select group of people to the extent where if you are not able to keep pace with this, then you will find yourself separated from the landowners more and more over the course of time. Now, the Levites were not able to own land, and so they depended on the success of the Israelites just as the Israelites needed the Levites for their success or to secure 
their success. They depended on the Levites in that context. So this mutual dependency was a very good thing. It was, in effect, a check and balance system that the Lord gave the people in order to try to ensure that everyone was going to be successful with whatever they were pursuing, with whatever they were doing. And, of course, in the event of failure, they would have an opportunity to recover from their failure. Now, if the Levites could not own land, they could not generate wealth on their own. They also were not able to store wealth on their own, not in the same way, not in the same context. And their ability to continue to exist in the location that they are in would depend, again, on the success of the Israelites and their ability to provide the Levites with resources to be in that environment. The environment was described as a Levitical city. And a Levitical city, or any city for that matter, needs to have outside resources imported into the city because the city does not have the capacity to produce enough resources to support the inhabitants of that city. This is a very important thing to understand because when resources become more difficult to acquire, the one place you do not want to be is where they are needed the most. Because if you are in that location, then there is going to be a greater opportunity for conflicts and competition for those resources. And so it is in your interest to go somewhere else, especially if you're having a hard time competing with everyone else who's looking for the same kinds of resources. It's a very important principle to understand, and there are times in history when these kinds of decisions need to be made for the sake of safety and security and future prosperity. Now, the next thing that I need to address is the subject of what did the Israelites tithe? What was it that they gave? And again, I need to mention that I do believe in tithing. I really do. The problem is, is that what most people think is tithing is not tithing. I totally disagree. I totally and completely reject what the vast majority of people are calling tithing. What people say is tithing to me is not tithing. It's something totally different. One of the things that I need to explain so that you can understand the separation between these perspectives, so that you can understand what tithing really is, I have to explain the difference between produce and income. Those are two completely different things. Now, of course, there are many opportunities to debate the definitions of certain words, and so bear with me. I am going to call produce something different from income. And in this case, I'm going to say that produce is the seed of the ground. It is the fruit of the trees. It is animals that are in your flock. That is what I'm going to describe as produce. It makes perfect sense, right? Produce is something that results from productivity, something that someone has produced. Now, for the most part, what this means is raw materials. To explain this, I'm going to compare the differences between perhaps one pound of wheat versus a loaf of bread, that there is a difference between the two. The wheat is the produce, what was produced from the land. The loaf of bread was something that was made from what was already produced. And so the loaf of bread is not considered to be produce. It's not considered to be something that was produced from the land. The wheat was, but not the bread. That's something totally different. The fuel that was used in order to cook the bread, that is considered to be produce. 
but the bread itself is not considered to be produce. And I understand that this might sound a little odd, but it's important to understand the differences between these things, because if you don't, it's going to be very difficult to appreciate what I'm going to explain after I give you these basic definitions. Now, please understand that this difference is very, very critical because it describes what the tithe is, how it was delivered, and who delivered it, and how much. And it's very important to see this because if you don't get this correct, if you get this wrong, then you are going to see a serious problem, a serious problem that will lead to very serious consequences that will eventually lead to the destruction of the society. That's how serious this is. And so please pay attention again that produce is what is produced from the land. Okay. Now, income is something that's different. Income is something that you derive when you exchange different things that have already been produced and you do that in such a way that you obtain something else that is of greater value than what you gave. For example, if you grew wheat then that is the produce of the land. If you took that wheat and you made a loaf of bread, then that is not considered to be produce. That is considered to be something that you have made. You have a loaf of bread. Now, when you take that loaf of bread that you have made and you sell it to someone else, then you are going to receive something of greater value than the wheat that you had before you made the bread, something of greater value. The wheat and your labor were used together in order to produce the loaf of bread, and then, of course, there are transportation issues on top of that. But when you deliver the loaf of bread to the individual or the individual who wants it comes to get it, they will give you something else of value. And the difference between the wheat and the energy and you could also consider your labor, the difference between those raw materials and your labor that you utilized, that you employed, that you used in order to make the bread, the difference between the cost of the raw materials and what you got for the loaf of bread is considered to be your income. That is what I'm going to call income in this case, in this context. Now, when the Israelites tithed, When they gave a tithe to the Levites, what did they give the Levites? They gave of their produce, not of their income. Now, you may think that this sounds a little bit bizarre, but it's very important for you to know this, because this is the law. The law says that you are to deliver a tenth of your produce, not of your income. And this is very critical because if you deliver a tenth of your income, it is only a matter of time before the Israelite society is destroyed. That's why this is so important. Let me explain why the society would be destroyed. What would people use in order to exchange goods or services? They would use money. Now, what is money? Money is silver and gold. That's what money is. Now, I realize in different civilizations throughout the course of history, people have decided to call money other things, or they have used other things as money. But in the scriptures, gold and silver is money. There is nothing else that can be used as money. 
and depending upon your definition of what money is, it's easy or it is hard to see that. But let's at least make the assumption for now that gold and silver is money. And I'm going to refer to silver because that is the money that people would use at that time, not necessarily for a loaf of bread. If they were going to use silver, they probably would find themselves with three loaves of bread for a piece of silver, depending upon the weight of the silver, of course. But we need to make this assumption because I need to ask, where does this silver come from? It comes from the land. That's where it comes from. The silver is mined. It comes from the land, and it comes from the land because people use their labor to get it. That's where it comes from. Now, when a person mined silver from the land, they would take a tenth of the silver that they took from the land, and that would be given to the Levitical priesthood. That would be part of their tithe. That would be the case because it is something that is produced from the land in conjunction with an individual's labor. Once that silver has been taxed according to the tithe, that's really what the tithe is, it is a tax, then that silver has already been taxed. The silver that was mined has been taxed. If it is taxed again when it is used, then more of that silver is going to be taken. And then what happens? That silver is then used again, or at least what's left. It is used again in a transaction between two people, and a portion of that would be taken again if people were tithing according to their income. How long would it be before all of that silver would be reduced to virtually nothing and would be transferred to the Levites. How long would it take for that to happen? Well, of course, it depends on the velocity of the money moving through the economy. That's what it would depend on. But eventually, it would happen. Eventually, it would be transferred to the Levites. Now, certainly, the Levites can spend it into the economy. I understand that. But the problem with that is is that they're going to use that in order to do what? In order to obtain political position, political favoritism. They're going to use it in order to make special deals, of which they are probably going to get a percentage off of that, or somebody who they know is going to get a percentage. They're going to get kickbacks. There's all kinds of corruption that takes place when you provide those kinds of resources to the governmental society. So, yes, they may spend it and put it back into the system. But the problem is, is that it's no longer being used for productivity. It instead will be used to reduce productivity. It reduces productivity because people are doing things. They are laboring, but the end result is not the production of new things into the society. Instead, it's just simply Busy work is a good way to describe it. It is just simply busy work. People are just doing things, and it is not contributing to an increase in wealth. It is only transferring wealth from one person to someone else. And so that is why the tithe was based on produce and not on income. Income was never taxed. Because when income is taxed, it is only a matter of time before the society that is being taxed 
for their income is destroyed. It's only a matter of time at that point. A society like that cannot survive. It may survive for a 100 years or 200 years or 300 years. It will survive for a period of time because it does take time. And the amount of time is normally measured by how much wealth exists before the taxation is invoked, before it's made into a law. But eventually it will happen. The society will be destroyed. So what is this going to look like? Well, it's very simple. If anyone is going to tithe, it's going to be someone who produces something from the land. Those who are not producing something from the land, but they are using the resources that have already been produced from the land, they are not contributing. They are not contributing to the government. They are not contributing to the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priesthood does not depend on the success of those who are not producing raw materials. They do not depend on their success. And so they cannot be leveraged. They cannot be manipulated. They cannot be corrupted by those who are not producing the wealth in the society. They cannot be corrupted by those who are not producing the wealth in society. Those who are producing the wealth, they are the ones who have the true authority, because if the Levites decide that they are not going to operate or function or be holy and righteous, then the people who are producing can simply stop producing, and then the Levites are going to have to realize that if they want to continue in the lifestyle that they had before, they are going to have to do what the producers say they have to do, which means that those Levites are going to have to observe the law of God, and they're going to have to enforce the law of God. They're going to have to secure the rights and the ownership that people have in the society that they are a part of. And of course, those who have not been producing on the land, if they do not have access to their land for whatever reason, when the year of Jubilee comes, they can go back and they can be producers just like the other people were producing. People will always have an opportunity to return in that context. So what are people doing in our society today? What are people doing? What are people talking about when they talk about the tithe? Let me give you an example. People ask, how much should I tithe? Should I tithe on the gross income or on the net income that I receive? Should I do it on my gross or on my net? And What do people say in response? They say things like, well, if you'd like a net blessing, then tithe on your net. And if you'd like a gross blessing, then tithe on your gross. These are the kinds of things that people say in response to questions like these. But according to the law, I have to be very honest with you and very direct with you and tell you that you would never tithe on your income, ever. It would be zero. It would be absolutely nothing. Now, for me to say that, what kind of a threat is that going to be to churches that depend on people's tithes that they give from their income? What kind of a threat is that going to be? Well, that's very simple to figure out. Just go into any church in your local community and look around and see how many people are producing raw materials versus those who are not. And you will probably find Very few people who are producing raw materials that they could tithe with. Instead, it's quite probable that you are going to find a lot of people 
who cannot tithe. That's my point. They cannot tithe because they do not produce those things that God said you are to tithe. And so because they're not doing that, they cannot legitimately claim that they are tithing because they have no capacity to do that. And what's going to happen to these decorated facilities that people normally owe money on? What's going to happen to these places? Well, they're going to be taken away. They're going to be taken by the banks or the mortgage companies or by whoever owns the debt on these places because there's no way that they're going to be able to pay for these places. There's no way that they can do that. That's the kind of threat that I am describing. That's the risk. This is why it is so unacceptable to consider what I have just said. It is totally unacceptable because people can't afford it. People in the sense of the pastors and the priests and everyone else who's on the payroll of the church. They cannot afford to tell the truth because if they did, then there is no way that they would be able to continue to do what they are doing. And you're probably thinking that that would be a bad thing. But I don't really share that opinion. I personally believe that if they were to stop what they are doing, I think that in some ways it could perhaps be better for society. Because in many cases, it's better to tell the truth than it is to tell a lie. And what people are saying about tithing is a lie. It's a total, absolute lie. So I wanted to explain that to you. I wanted to explain to you the difference between produce and income so that you can see what the Israelites would see so that you can be there at the time. You can be there because you know what the society was about. You know how things operated and why they operated in the way that they did. And you know the risks involved and you know the checks and balances that were put in place. If you know these things, then you can see just how far removed people are when they talk about their form of tithing compared to the tithing that our God spoke about in the Old Covenant. Now, in the next program, I'm going to talk about the delivery and how much was actually delivered. And so tune into the next program because I am going to talk about the details concerning the delivery and the amount. You would probably think, because of what everybody says about tithing, that the Israelites would have delivered 10%. But there is no way that they could have delivered 10%. It had to be less than a tenth, because if it was not, then the Israelites would have violated the law of God. And I will explain this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you